We are three guys across two time zones with one shared passion. Welcome to the debut episode of the Sunday Drive, where we hit the fast lane and discuss our favorite drives from the racetrack and the ball fields. We are three lifelong friends who grew up around racing and a love professional and college sports. Today, we are bankers, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs as we give you our perspective on those last lap lead changes, those game-winning scores, and those franchise players. We are the Sunday Drive. Welcome to the debut episode of the Sunday Drive. My name is John. I'm with my buddies, Matt and David. Um, we're so excited to get going here in our very first episode, um, hoping that this will be something that really grow into the future, um, and we're excited that you come along for the ride. Um, we've got a lot of great content to discuss today and then um, every single week going forward. Um, but before we get into that, I thought we'd take a second to kind of introduce ourselves so that you guys can get to know us, um, and hopefully we'll get to know you as listeners down the road. Uh, so Matt, why don't you go ahead and, and kick it off and tell us a little about yourself. Yep. So I'm Matt, um, mid thirties. I, uh, grew up with the other guys that are in the podcast down in the Carolinas. That's kind of where we have a lot of our background from, uh, we, or I guess for myself, um, I grew up and, uh, into the football realm and ended up playing college football, um, then I ended up coaching at the junior high, high school level. So I'm just kind of enjoying doing that, uh, financial professional and, um, uh, really just enjoy getting to hang out with these guys. Really excited that we get to do some sports coverage together and talk about topics that make a lot of sense to us. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Dave, you want to go ahead? Yeah, certainly. So, Hey guys, my name is David. I too grew up in Charlotte. We've known each other for a long time, and I'm happy to be able to do this with each of you. Uh, so after college, I worked in the sports world for a brief moment at a FCS football team uh, for a short moment as a professional football team as well. Uh, I've coached at high school level for track and football. Uh, racing's a big part as well. So it's been fun just being involved in that, and this is a new way for us to kind of gather around talk about what we do. I currently work for a major university in a couple different capacities and excited to just kind of bring my experience and perspective along for the ride. Thanks, David. And as I mentioned earlier, my name is John. Uh, I also grew up in Charlotte with these guys, um, born and raised there. Um, really huge, strong uh, love for racing and uh, especially college sports down there. Big Carolina fan, um, as a lot of us were kind of split between Carolina and Duke down there. Um, I'm currently in the windy city which is freezing cold at the moment um and my love of chicago sports has been around since i was a kid uh coming up here and visiting family with the white Sox, the blackhawks the bears um and um yeah i'm a huge diehard fan of, of all three of those teams as well white Sox season ticket holder i'm blessed to be able to go to anywhere from four to five bear games a year so um all three of us are just huge sports fans, um, really passionate about kind of anything and everything to do with sports on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, currently today I'm in the banking world. Um, but again, my passion has always been sports. So I'm really happy that I could be joining with some of my best friends in life um, and that we could bring this content to you. 
So yeah, now that we've had to introduce uh, opportunity to introduce ourselves, uh, we want to tell you a little bit more about what our goals here are in the podcast and what we plan to do in the future. So Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about our bio and kind of what the future looks like for us? Absolutely. So, you know, I think one of the most important things is to, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're spending time with uh, the sports world and we'll be touching base once a week for the podcast. We'll go anywhere from 30 minutes to 60, most likely just depending on the content and, you know, kind of what we all can agree on. We want to talk about for the week. Um, you know, the fact that it's a drive, uh, you know, and we have a lot of different um, passions and different types of sports, you're going to get a mixture from us. So, uh, you know, we have a couple guys who are more, Racing aficionados, uh, a couple of us really mix inside the football world, the basketball world, uh, maybe even get a little hockey, some golf. I mean, just it'll be a lot of fun for us. We hope that anybody listening will have a good time as well. Um, Probably a big part of why we're doing this is, you know, obviously, as John mentioned, we we really enjoy sports. But um, with the four of us growing up and the person we're missing today is Chris. But uh, with the four of us growing up together and uh, playing sports together and, you know, continuing, and those are the discussions we have all the time anyway, we're really just kind of carrying that over um, into a live feed and getting to do this for fun ourselves, and we'll just kind of see where this takes off to. Um, but I think that kind of tells a little bit more. David, do you have anything to add to that or John? And this is just a great way for us to still converse on a week-to-week basis about uh, big happenings in the world of sports, um, any hot news or hot topics that's going on, but also just open up to a broader audience, uh, hopefully get some listener participation down the road. Uh, If anybody ever has comments, questions, we're happy to ever take those in future episodes. Uh, But this is just a great way for us to still uh, take this uh, conversation that we have on a weekly basis to the next level and grow it a little bit. Thanks, guys, for that. Uh, Since we're talking about the podcast, um, maybe we'll take a second to thank our sponsor. Welcome back, guys. Uh, Again, thanks to to Anchor for helping facilitate this podcast. Um, So now we've had a, a chance to introduce ourselves and the podcast and what we're um, hoping to accomplish with this. Um, I thought we'd switch gears a little bit and talk about a pretty substantial event that's coming up in the sports world this coming Sunday. Uh, obviously, the, the most watched sporting event in the world was Super Bowl Sunday. Um, we got the New England Patriots, uh, the veterans versus the newcomers, LA Rams. Um, and just wanted to see if I could get your guys' perspectives on the game. Who, what your prediction is for the outcome, who's going to take this title, um, and then maybe who that MVP is going to be. So, uh, David, why don't you kick us off with that? Yeah, so media week has started. All the players have made their way to Atlanta. Uh, it's been fun just kind of listening to the different coverage of what's been going on from different journalists and different media outlets. Uh, so what I think is going to happen, what I want to happen, are probably going to be two separate things. Uh, just kind of backtracking a little bit with the Rams getting in. Uh, they're the hot new team. They've got the great defense, the young coach who everybody thinks has the great offensive mind. And um, statistically, they deserve to be at the top. I mean, they've had a really good season. They've surprised a lot of people. And then, as always, Brady's still around, Belichick's around, and they're still on this miraculous run of 16, 17, 18 years, and they're still going strong. Uh, so there's been a lot of... 
And it's a lot of message board material on the bulletin board. One of the players from the Rams called Brady old and, you know, Brady's like, eh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. So it's just kind of funny hearing a little back and forth. that's already starting in preparation for this upcoming Sunday uh, from there's a lot of pictures out there and you'll see like new England colored one area and it's colored a different area. And everybody's like, Oh, we're all Rams fans. And it's funny how new England's one of those teams where you either love them or you hate them. There's not much of an in-between there. I'm kind of on the side where I'm not really in a Patriots fan. So I'm going to be pulling for the Rams in this game. Um, However, unfortunately, I do think the Patriots are going to pull it off. They've got experience on their side. They've been here before. They're an established team. And then as far as MVPs, as far back as I can remember, it's always an offensive player. And I think Tom Brady's going to take it again and just cement his legacy as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So for a score prediction, I think it's going to be pretty close. The Rams' defense is going to get after him a little bit. So I'm going to say 31-24, and we'll go with that and see what happens on Sunday. Thanks, David. Uh, Matt, why don't you take the, your stab at it as well? Yeah, you know, I, I find it really interesting that in this matchup, um, I know there's been a little bit of talk about it, but you talk about the youngest coach in the game versus the guy that probably has some of the most experience and definitely rings out there or Super Bowl uh, approaches when you talk about the head coaching staff. You know, obviously Belichick, when you're that successful with your quarterback and, you know, you can lead your team coming off of a rough start into the Super Bowl and uh, really do that and do it well consistently certainly says something about uh, who he is and, as David said, kind of the experience level. Um, but Sean McVay, I mean, who doesn't want to be – starting out as a 30-year-old head coach, have uh, an owner and a GM take you on out of, you know, having experience in the coaching world, but youngest head coach in, in modern NFL at that point. Uh, you know, that, that really excites me, and he's only uh, – he's right near my age anyway. So when you take a look at this guy who's, again, taking a team from very little to everything and has a great chance, has a – you know, very dynamic offensive and defensive playbook has great coordinators underneath them. Um, you know, I think David said it best. It's you don't bet against Brady in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I'll just go ahead and say, if I, you know, if they win, I'm, I'm going to say Brady's going to be the MVP. Um, I mean, who doesn't want to see Gronk turn up with that one more time, but uh, or show up with that for this, because who knows how long he'll play. But um you know, I'm really kind of hoping and I'm going to put my money on the Rams at the, uh, you know, dollars for donuts. Cause I think that uh, in an overall stance, they're the wild card. So I think that they have, uh, they have nothing to lose and everything to gain at this point. Thanks Matt. Um, so yeah, it looks like we're, we're a little split on predictions. Um, so I, I was looking at uh, just some interesting readings about the Super Bowl. Um, and I noted that Madden 19 on EA Sports uh, picks the Rams. So uh, that automatically makes me want to go with the Patriots there. So, But it's, it's hard to, to not look into the impact of uh, Aaron Donald uh, or excuse me, Aaron Donald um, and you know, just the, the type of player that he is. Um, you know, I was blessed to see Khalil Mack in person this year, and Aaron Donald had statistically even a better year than him. Um, you've got Sue's first Super Bowl, so – I know these defensive guys are going to be coming out ready to play. Um, you know, I saw golf in person this year against the Bears, and, you know, I 
I, you definitely you can shake this guy, and that's the interesting thing is that if you can get him under pressure, he can be shaken. However, as he showed, you know, he, things looked pretty rough in that first uh, quarter, first half of that Saints game. However, things seem to turn around. So, I mean, the kid's got talent. He's got poise. Um, and certainly a head coach that helps uh, kind of walk him through that. Um, and with that being said, New England's defense is in the bottom half of the league in both passing and total yards. So I'm predicting this is going to be a shootout. Um, you know, score-wise, I think we're going to see 80-plus points combined between these two teams. Uh, and personally, I think it's going to come down to a field goal. I mean, we've seen throughout this entire playoff run – uh, kickers have had such an impact both uh, for good and bad, um, you know, in, in the outcomes of these games and to get these teams to where they are. So I think it's going to come down to either uh, potentially an overtime game again or a last second, you know, three seconds left, kill uh, field goal um, to seal the deal. Um, I'm going to go with New England. Uh, like I said, it's, you know, Tom Brady is going into his ninth Super Bowl, which when I read that, I, you know, it just blew my mind. Uh, that's more Super Bowls than Brett Favre, Breeze, Manny, and Marino combined. So the four of those guys have eight. Uh, Brady alone has nine. This is nine Super Bowl appearance. So, um, and he's already said there's no way that he's walking away from this game. So he's he's motivated like crazy. Um you know, he says he wants to play till he's 45 if he can do it. Um, he just the, – the guy is unbelievable. Um, so, as much as I – yeah, my personal feelings about the New England Patriots, as many people do one way or the other, um, I think they're going to take this. Uh, Gronk is potentially walking away from the game uh, after this Sunday. So, I think those two are going to team up. I think Brady's going to take the MVP. Um, but I think he and Gronk are – are going to make one last showcase uh, event, especially if this is Gronk's last event. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, definitely tune back in next week as we kind of break down the Super Bowl, kind of our favorite moments. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the halftime show and whatever interesting things uh, always seem to come out of that. Um, but, yeah, this is it's going to be exciting. Um, I cannot wait to, to see what the young guns do. You've got – Statistically speaking, the youngest uh, coach-quarterback combination, and if I'm not mistaken, Belichick and Brady have got to be the oldest coach-quarterback combination out there. So, you know, you've got the newbies versus the veterans. It's going to be one heck of a match. Um, and then in that regard, so I don't want to unhash uh, things that have already happened, but from the NFC Championship game, we had the infamous no-call, uh, which was really, really put a bad light on the NFL um, and to end that game. And I don't want to go into it just because it's already been hashed out so much in the media. Um, and the NFL has already really admitted that they made a mistake on this and they, that they um, they messed that call up. But I thought it was interesting that I was reading this week that just want to get your guys' perspectives on is that we have um, four refs from California uh, in the, that's going to, to be involved in the Super Bowl. So, you know, do you guys think this is bad optics that we're coming off um, such a horrible call or no call, I should say, that really helped facilitate the, the Rams getting into the Super Bowl? Um, and now we've got four refs coming out of California that are going to be a part of the core crew that are officiating this game. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, so definitely taking a step back and looking at, you know, the refereeing and what happened in that game, it's kind of, You've heard some people say, oh, the pass was tipped, so pass interference doesn't really come into play there. 
Uh, but you've seen so many replays of that hit. Uh, the receiver just coming down the sideline, just obliterated going down. He had no chance to catch the ball. And then, yeah, the NFL definitely did say, you know, they made a mistake. Uh, when I saw that and heard it, I was like, well, that's the right thing to do. Obviously, in death that they were wrong. It's kind of funny to think, you know, the Saints had an opportunity to get there to the Super Bowl. They have a huge fan base, a dedicated following. People show up to games. It's who that nation. They're dressed up. They're painted their bodies. And then you go over to L.A., one of the biggest markets in the United States, and they have two teams, the Chargers and the Rams. Yet when you look at their fan support, there's not much there. So if you kind of look at the whole, hey, maybe the NFL kind of wants the Rams to get there, kind of build that fan support so they can start supporting two teams. Or actually, maybe to start with one team and build the way up to two. Uh, so that's just kind of one th thing that I've read out there. Uh, but as far as optics for this coming game, you know, once all that happened and then you got some Southern California guys referee the game, is there a little bias in there? Are they going to be unbiased and just look at the game objectively of what's going to happen? It's going to be hard to tell. I think it looks bad from the NFL perspective after all the talk that's gone on this past week about refereeing and the blown call. They probably could have picked a different crew or assembled somebody else to come in and take over for this game. Uh, but the NFL has decided to run with these guys. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk afterwards in every media outlet, uh, depending who wins, positive or negative, about the refereeing and what the calls are going to be. I, You know, I, I agree with all those sentiments at the same time. You know, if you're if you really want to get into the conspiracy at this point, you're watching, you know, the the hit with you know, what I think should have been a Patriots versus New Orleans game. Uh, but we're used to that, right? You've got a new team coming out of, of L.A. They're trying to drive support. Would it be easy for the NFL to say, hey, if you can miss a call and kind of turn this game, you know, try not to make it blatant, but here you go. They definitely had that that lined up, whether we – like it or not. not i'm not trying to get into the conspiracy here but that's certainly something to to keep in mind as we look at the the referee staff that just got chose for this game how do you you know i want to say how do you not be biased i know these guys are paid not to be right but think about any other game you've ever played in watched, and you always have a grief with a referee or two or three you know and are they throwing the game are they bringing this are, is the NFL trying to bring uh, L.A. into the fold with the NFL? Um, you know, after bringing LeBron James out there, uh, that's that's big headlines. They sell out their tickets, uh, you know, every week. Everybody watched the Lakers. So now what are we going to do with the NFL? You know, how, how are we going to get L.A. people that have this huge fan base into watching football? So I think it's really hard for you to say that it's it's not – I'm not going to say um, scripted, but unbiased. I don't think that they can do that. They're supposed to be, but I, I just don't know that you can do that. Yeah, I mean, and it's certainly. I, I think I agree with you guys. It's it's bad optics. Um, you know, do I think that that these guys are going to go out there and uh, you know throw this game? No, not not any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think, you know, the optics alone, the NFL could have improved that, um, you know, maybe mixing up the crew, uh, making a decision, you know, they had plenty of time two weeks after that blown call to say, hey, we probably should rethink this. Um, what sucked is that we had, you know, 
probably one of the best NFC championship games in history. I mean, that game was unbelievable back and forth down to the wire, the comeback from LA. Um, and then the next day, the only thing that anyone was talking about was the missed call. So it was such a blown opportunity by the NFL to capitalize on such a pivotal game in that season and in the league itself. Um, and nobody was talking about the game itself. Everyone was just talking about the missed call um, and the likely outcome. I mean, there's no guarantee that, you know, New Orleans goes in there and, and kicks that field goal, but, you know, they all they had to do was round the clock and, and kick what should have been uh, a pretty easy chip shot to win that game. So, you know, I, I think the NFL really should have looked at, at changing this up. Um, you know, and yeah, when you live in a city, uh, you know, it's, I don't know how you're not a little bit biased. I know these guys are paid professionals um, and this is what they, you know, they do for a living, but it, you know, it's, it's hard to take that out of the back of your head and, and say, listen, this is the city I live in. Um, you know, it's, I don't want to bias one way or the other. It's hard to take that out when you're making those split second decisions. Um, and so much of the, the, football this year has been there's been a lot of really bad calls this year um you know we started out with the the helmet helmet stuff um you know there's been some really really confusing roughing the passer calls where some of them uh, you know as we saw some against cam newton where it was like blatant what should be blatant roughing the passer i mean i'm not a cam newton fan by any stretch of imagination but even i'm like how is that not? I mean, this guy is getting creamed and there's no calls. Um, and then you see other things where, um, you know, a guy, a quarterback, gets kind of slapped on the shoulder pads uh, inadvertently. And we're getting a 15 yard penalty, some of which has changed the outcome of some games and kept a lot of drives alive because of some pretty poor um, decision making by the rest. So, you know, whatever happens, um, I hope we have a great game. I really, really hope that the storyline coming out of this is the game itself and that we're not coming out of Super Bowl Sunday talking about yet another missed call um, or uh, bad call by the referees that really changes the, the outcome or sways the momentum of one team or another um, the Super Bowl Sunday. So um, it's going to be a good one. But, uh, yeah, hopefully that is a non-story. Um, but thanks, guys. It's, I'm glad to get your perspectives on that. Okay, so you know, John, and, and not to not to like throw the whole opinion point, but you know, go back to this again to to my statement earlier of, and feel free to debate me on this, guys, and tell me I'm crazy. After playing college ball and coaching, you know, at some of the lower levels, and uh, you know, you, you watch what's going on with referees. There's no way. I mean, they do the best job they can. But there's no way these guys are impartial. Think about how many comedians we listen to on, you know, night gags and everything else um, when they release the new rules this year for roughing the passer. Uh, Mr. Quarterback, we need you to lay on the ground and, uh, you know, two hand touch to the chest and, you know, you're you're sacked. I got news for you coming off the edge as a defensive end or coming through the middle as a defensive tackle. There is nothing that feels better than watching that dude wind up and just drilling now. The head-to-head stuff, like you said, I've, I've seen the Panthers games, I, you know, watching Cam get hit. He's so stinking tall. You know, sometimes there's an argument there, but those guys are blatantly coming after him. And then you kind of look at what's going to happen at the pinnacle of um, pinnacle of games inside of the football world. 
uh, you know, you could call it college, you could say it's the NFL, but when you're playing the best of the best all the way at the top and, uh, you know, in the NFL, this is kind of the pinnacle game here. And, you know, you're talking about referees that are from a state, whether they're actually from there, just live there, happen to be there and fall in the right place to get a, get a job inside uh, Super Bowl. It's This is where the NFL can control them and say, we really want to see some things happen. It's, it's you know, in my opinion, a lot of times it's about the sales. Who's going to drop uh, more money into merchandise? Again, feel free to debate me. Tell me I'm wrong. Your, your thoughts, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, especially with merchandise. I mean, you've got, as David mentioned earlier, you've got two teams in L.A. now, the Chargers and Rams. Um, and, yeah, the, the Rams are coming back, quote-unquote, to L.A., but it's been so long now that, you know, you bring up the merchandise point, obviously having them win the NFC Championship game. Uh, I can only imagine the amount of money that the NFL shop and Fanatics brought in after this weekend. Um, and then – obviously it's a big market you know new england isn't that you know isn't a huge market as far as city wise goes but obviously the patriots are on the top of the hill and they have been for quite some time uh with a massive following there and then you've got you know the third largest uh, or excuse me, second largest city in the united states um that you know really historically speaking they, they really support one team, even though they have, you know, multiples of baseball and basketball and now football as well. Um, you know, they've really been a Lakers town. And, you know, yeah, you bring up a good point that perhaps NFL, you know, is, you know, not that they're controlling games, but I'm sure that they're certainly not complaining about how that game came out. Um, and, you know, it's, again, we're going back to optics. I think it was just poor optics. I think the NFL should have said, you know, listen, we are, we made a, there's a blown call. We screwed it up. They admitted it. That was great. Now we need to make plans. We need to change our plans and we really need to switch things up to make sure that, you know, the storyline that we're talking about today. And as a lot of shows are talking about, you know, across the nation um, that instead of, uh, you know, us talking about the game itself, a lot of people are talking about, you know, this potentially bad optics and the kind of how that could impact, um, you know, the outcome of this game. And then you see, I mean, in sports across the board, you bring up the bias situation, you know, we've, especially like in things like the Olympics, things of that nature, um, you know, we've seen judges and, and officials in world sports that have certainly swayed games. And, and some of them have been found uh, kind of guilty and, and proven guilty of swaying um, different outcomes of events. So, um, you know, the NFL needs to kind of get out of the little bubble and, and remember that, you know, they very much are a, a becoming a world sport as we're going to London now, we're going to Mexico now. Uh, obviously, every major country in the entire world is going to be watching this game on Sunday. They've really got to stop thinking small Bush League here and look at these optics and say, listen, if this could be a story, we don't want it to be a story. We need to fix it now. Um, so, yeah. I, I I agree. I mean, it's it's certainly going to be interesting well, to see how it plays out on Sunday. I hope I hope this is not something we're talking about when we meet next week. I hope we're talking about a phenomenal game. Um, but you know that it would not shock me if we're not back here next week talking about an a potential call or no call that really screwed something up and really had an impact in this game. So, yeah kind of looking at that whole penalty and is there a call? Is there no cause they're going to sway a game? Just kind of looking at this last season as a full sample size. There's lots of games to pick from. 
one thing that I've noticed is there's a lot of inconsistency among calls, among refing crews. Something that would get a flag in game A is not going to get a flag in game B. So obviously that's going to rile up fan bases saying, well, it was called this way or it was not called a penalty over here. So the NFL needs to certainly, you know, get some consistency. We also want to control the narrative as, you know, there are more games going to London and Mexico City and there's more worldwide fans coming. Uh, there's a thought of, you know, certainly you want to control the message that's going out and you want to see a clean game and a fun game. But on the other end, there's also that saying that uh, no publicity is bad. So people are talking about this. So it's getting people talking about the NFL, even if it might be in a bad term. That, you know, people are out there at the water cooler at work on their lunch break, wherever they are. And it's, you know, it's a talking point. So obviously it helps build the NFL up, whether it's something that they wanted to happen, uh, whether it just happened or not. Uh, but definitely need to clean up the calls uh, either way, but just have some consistency among you no know, games going forward would be wonderful to have. And yeah, next week, I hope we're just talking about a great game and not just focusing on one play that should have happened or did not happen because of a blown call there. Yeah. So I'll just go back to the old adage real quick before we move on. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's all free press at this point, and uh, there's no such thing as, as bad publicity. You know, as the NFL is very easily aware of, it's just how they spin it. Yeah. Great take, guys. Um, so we're about out of time. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to make a quick call out. So this last weekend, uh, we had the 24-hour race at Daytona, um, and – you know, that um, obviously I, I didn't get a chance to watch as much as I typically do um, in, in prior years, um, but probably got a solid, I don't know, 15, 16 hours of, of uh, watching you know, the 24-hour race. Uh, but I just want to make a call out to uh, two little things. Um, one, you know, it, it turned into last 10 plus hours, something like that, turned into an absolute monsoon in Daytona. Um, and it was made for pretty – pretty pitiful racing uh what you know what emsa is doing down there um the way they've got these these cars formatted and the different divisions that they have you know this could very well be the the future of that sport um, of endurance racing these guys you know these packages are so tight between these different manufacturers um the lap times are so similar so it had all the potential to be one of the greatest 24 hours of daytona um that has ever been. Unfortunately, that was plagued by, you know, literally monsoon tie rains, uh, which put us under multiple red flags uh, for the first time in history. Um, a lot of, a whole lot of time around, you know, going around in caution behind the pace car. Um, but uh, I think two quick things that I, I wanted to just talk about real fast is one was uh, Alex Zanardi. So for those of you guys that aren't familiar with him, um, he's a former uh, IndyCar driver that, uh, in a pretty tragic accident, lost both his legs um, back in, I think it was 2001. Um, you know, and, and he, he really reminds me of, you know, we've got a kid, Billy Monger, um, who uh, out in the UK who had a similar incident uh, a year or two ago. And both of these guys are just absolutely inspirational. Um, since that uh, incident in 2001, Alex has gone on um, to become a paraplegic uh, athlete um, in the Olympics um, and has brought in six medals. Four of those have been in gold in paracycling. So an unbelievable story of, of comeback and determination by him. Um, it's always been a dream of himself and, and those that, you know, have been so close to him as to get him back in to a vehicle, an endurance-type race. Uh, so the head of BMW actually came to him and said, listen, you can do the 24 hours of Daytona or the 24 hours of Le Mans. 
um, you know, which one do you choose? And, you know, he, he chose Daytona. Um, so BMW actually went upon themselves to build this guy a special steering wheel that he could jump into the car um, when it was his increment to race and use hand controls for acceleration, shifting, and braking, all just between the two uh, left and right hands. Um, it was just an unbelievable story to see this guy get back into to the car, um, the way that they had it choreographed um, for him to, you know, the, the upper body strength of this guy to literally like walk his way into the vehicle on his arms and get into that um, is just an unbelievable story. And then you've got two-time uh, Formula One champion um, who has retired this last year, came over to Daytona, um, you know, racing with a Cadillac. Um, the Cadillacs were, were strong, especially once the rain hit. And you've got Fernando making the uh, what ended up being the race-winning pass with two laps left before they called the final red flag. Um, they ended up ending the race a little bit early. So um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add on that, but I just wanted to to call out the two phenomenal storylines out of the racing world from this past weekend uh, that I couldn't pass an opportunity to talk about. Well, I think with Alex Zanardi um... – you know, with the, with the amount of knowledge that I have around the sport, which is nowhere, you know, near yours, but uh, keeping up with him as an overall athlete, um, he did pretty well. If I, if I read some of the, the reports on his driving, did yeah, not? certainly. I mean, he was, he was a loved uh, racer, you know, huge fan following um, and really had his racing career cut short, uh, dramatically cut short because of the incident. So it's been really telling, you know, not only his determination um, to physically heal and to overcome what many people, um, you know, like myself, you know, to think about, could I overcome this? I mean, it's such an inspiring story to see, you know, what he's been faced with and been able to accomplish um, and the, you know, within the Olympics. And then it's been a cool testament to see how technology has come, you know, in 2001, there's no way that probably anyone was ever thinking, man, this guy's never going to be in a car again. Um, and then you've got, you know, with several different uh, examples now, uh, just in the last year or so, where um, men and women with, uh, you know, pretty life-changing injuries have been able to get back into these vehicles um, and continue the sport they love. So, yeah, it's it's a great point, Matt. He, he certainly had a huge following, Um really cut short, but it's, it's so exciting to see, you know, finally after all these years, he never gave up and was able to get back in there. Right. So if you think about that a little bit further, if he, you know, with, with how he's doing, obviously that's, that's huge uh, inside of the disabled uh, sports genre to see somebody be able to get in a car, race it effectively, not just be able to get in the car and, and, you know, keep up, but effectively race inside of that atmosphere where you've got different classes, different speeds, you know, all those things. And like you said, there's, there's a lot to the fact that you have to be able to get in and out of the car um, quickly, uh, you know, change pace, change weather. You've got to be able to handle all that. So I almost wonder, and I'm kind of calling BMW out at this point to say, you guys need to continue what you're doing. Throw him into another car at Le Mans, sponsor one more. You've already got the build out sponsor him at Le Mans, bring on a whole team of, of folks if you want to that are kind of in the same boat. But I, I would love to see that continue to happen. Um, you know, like you said, it, it's very big inspiration, but there's a lot of uh, 
a lot of cool technology that goes into that. And it's very different to see that kind of thing happen. So I would be, I would challenge BMW to really come back and continue that just because of the fact that it's, it's neat to see somebody like that get, get his wheels back and, and be able to work through that again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. One quick thought just to kind of piggyback off that when, if you look at another sport, when an athlete gets injured, you know, they have to come back and physically heal. But the first time to get back on the field, on the court, there's that mental aspect of, am I actually ready to go? Uh, then you look at this situation where, you know, he had a life altering injury and it changed the way he not just did a sport. He was out of his sport, but changed the way he lived life and just had to learn how to do things again. So mentally just getting back in that car and having that mindset of still being able to race and, you know, race well, that certainly is a testament to all the time and dedication that he's put in just to get back to this point. Uh, yeah, with BMW, certainly keep going with that. That's a great story, and it would certainly be wonderful to see more of that happen in the future. Yeah, and well, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my age just a little bit, and because I'm kind of a movie nut, you know, if you go back to watching Tom Cruise and Days of Thunder, those guys don't want to get back in those cars when they have those kinds of accents. I thought that that was very well portrayed. With you know, uh, you see Tom Cruise's character after that big wreck, and you know those they explained that when those guys see those kinds of accidents, they, they react differently. They don't want to see anything that could show them that they're not invincible. David, that's a great point, you know, cause I've gone through a major injury where I had to go back on the field and, you know, you don't know how your body's going to react. You can do as much as you want to when you're staying in front of somebody else. It's not just your buddy in practice. Um, you can go at each other's heart they're a totally different person you've never played against before it's it's huge mental aspect great point yeah and, and although he's had um you know some opportunities here and there since that incident you know those were all single seater seater cars if i'm not mistaken um you know the fact the orchestra that has to happen in endurance racing when you've got anywhere from three to four drivers that are shifting um, in and out of the car, you know, after multiple stints each, um, and really doing that throughout the evening, uh, and especially, you know, through the night hours, through the rain, um, that's really the true testament that you could build a car that not only is set up for um, the typical driver um, and can work with his teammates, but then also be able to build something special that's just for him. But all he's got to do is hop in there, strap in, swap out the steering wheel, um, which is a pretty quick swap, and he's off and running. Um, and I think you guys, you know, talked about challenging BMW. So much racing, and so many reasons why racing exists today is because manufacturers want to take stuff on in the the world of racing, and they want to prove it on the racetrack. Um, they want to develop stuff. They want to improve it. They want to master technology. Um, and then they eventually, so much of what's in our street cars today has come from racing. And you talk about turbochargers, uh, traction control, and a lot of brakes. I mean, you name it, it's all come out of racing, uh, hybrid systems, uh, electric vehicles, EVs, all of that has come out of racing at some point and has trickled down to the street car. So, you know, you guys talked about challenging BMW. It'd be amazing for BMW to continue to develop this. Um, so that they could uh, hopefully maybe one day bring this down to the street use um, and really help people around the world uh, get back and kind of improve the quality of their lives, even though they've suffered a life-changing injury. 
I agree. So I think that's all the time that we have for tonight. Uh, thanks so much again to the Matt and David as well to, for helping put this together. And uh, we are so excited, the three of us, to, to make this happen, to bring you this uh, fan perspective content on a weekly basis. Looking forward to your reactions and getting to know many of you in the future. Um, so I'm John. I'm David. And I'm Matt. And we are? The Sunday Drive. Night, guys.